This morning, our scripture comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of these servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man with two bags also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. <clears throat> well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever he has, whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. <clears throat> whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. You may be seated. This morning is Commitment Sunday, and in each of your bulletins, you'll find a commitment card where you might consider your financial gift for the upcoming year here at Pittman Park. But more than just our financial commitment here, today is a day where we come to the altar to commit our gifts, our calling, our blessings to God. It's a time for us to consider how God might be calling us to respond to his plan for our lives, for our church, for our community, and for our world. So the question I want us to dwell on this morning is, what if we worked together? As you know, we've been walking through this series considering the potential and possibility that God desires to unleash in our lives. What if we humbled ourselves and prayed because God is listening and responds to his people's prayers? What if we do something extraordinary by offering our resources to God? And what if we seek God's first, if we seek God first? 
Because seeking God first leads us into God's purpose, protection, and provision. These, friends, are revolutionary questions. But imagine if we answered these questions together. What if we answered these questions together? What if we committed together? What if we prayed for God to hear us together? What if we did something extraordinary together by offering our limited resources to our God who can unleash unlimited potential and possibility in our lives? What if we did it all together? Because let's be honest, God has done some pretty incredible things when God's people have committed to his plan and purpose for their lives. When Abraham commits to leave his homeland for a place that God shows him, when he leaves Haran, the place where he'd lived for a generation, to head to a place that God would show him, it required commitment, required faith, required trust. And through all that happens in Abraham's life as he makes that journey to the land that God would show him, he's rewarded with a covenant and a promise, a hope, and a future, and a purpose. He's blessed that he and all the generations that might follow after him would be a blessing as well. Think about Moses, who wanders in the wilderness 40 years before he sees a burning bush and hears the call of God on his life. And then, even through his fears and his anxiety, he commits himself in his life to following the will of God. He goes back to Egypt, the place, the place where his people have been enslaved for more than 400 years. He helps them to hear the voice of God for themselves, to see his miraculous deeds and power. And he leads them out of captivity, out of Pharaoh's hand, into freedom, into a place where they find a national identity and understand just who God is for themselves. The great stories of Scripture all revolve around people choosing to commit themselves to God's plan and God's purpose. And when they do, God unleashes potential, possibility, and even more. And it's happened among us, friends. If you go into the fellowship hall, you'll notice all of the flags that are there on the wall. Uh, our visitors, our guests often come and say, I, I love all of the decorations. Friends, those aren't decorations on the walls. And those are the places where we as a congregation have committed to make an impact for the kingdom of God. Those are places where our members have gone to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Those are the places where we have built clinics and we have built homes, places where we have poured floors, places where we have prayed and we have wept. And we have celebrated with people as they find God's presence in the world. In just a few weeks, we'll add a Ugandan flag in there. Because the way that we're investing and making a difference in Mitiana. I know you've heard me talk about Uganda a lot over these last few weeks. But I, I want you to know I've never been a part of anything like what God is doing through us and through that house that we built. I'm just going to rewind the story for you. Last Advent, we spent six weeks trying to raise $6,000 to build a home for a family of five orphans in Uganda. We managed to raise $13,000. And so we clapped and cheered because the thing that we wanted to do was accomplished. We committed to build this home, and we built it, and it's got like lights and running water and everything, right? 
It's a beautiful space. We had no clue what God would do with our simple commitment. Now that home is a church. And every Sunday at about 5.30, I get a text message from Uganda with pictures of people gathered to worship in a house that we built, a house that we committed to be a part of. And it's making a difference, y'all. Those 30 people now sit in the chairs that you helped purchase. It was beautiful to see them this morning, by the way. 30 chairs that arrived on the back of a motorcycle. Just think about that for a second. 30 chairs on the back of a motorcycle arrived at a house in Uganda where Christians are now gathering to worship, who are reaching out to the streets and literally pulling children out of poverty and brokenness to give them hope and life through their relationship with Victory Outreach, which we now have a relationship with. I want you to know that the four children that we spoke about um, just a few weeks back who were found um, rummaging for food in the dump have all been sponsored. They all have people who have committed to give monthly to make sure that they have food and clothing and all that they need not only to survive but to thrive. Y'all, when we commit, God does incredible things, things that we might not ever thought or, or have imagined, but we committed and God provided and continues to open up possibilities for mission and ministry here and down the street and around the world. I know I've talked about Uganda a lot, but friends, miracles happen every week through the, the feeding that happens at Rebecca's Cafe. Miracles happen every day through the can-do ministry where we pass out food to those who are in need. Miracles happen because we have committed to be a a church and to be a people who want to see God's purpose and will done in the world. We've not only given our time, but we've given our talents. We've given our treasure. We've blessed others with the blessings that we've received. And so this morning, I want us to take a look at a parable that Jesus gives as he's getting ready, preparing his disciples for his eventual departure. He's preparing them. In Matthew 25, we have one of Jesus' last teaching discourses. And in the midst of preparing his disciples um, for his departure, he shares this parable about the kingdom of God. You've probably heard of it before. It's the parable of the talents. Um, that's one way to, uh, to describe what the master gives to the servants. The other is the parable of the bags of gold. So take a minute with me and listen to this parable again. Jesus says this. He says, again, the kingdom of God, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold, to another, two bags of gold, and to another, one bag of gold, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more bags. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. You can see this all playing out, can't you? The first two receiving their five bags of gold, their five million dollars. And immediately taking that money out and going to put it to work. The one that received the two bags, the two million, the two talents, taking those two bags and immediately putting them to work 
Maybe they opened small businesses. Maybe, maybe they invested. We don't know what they did with the money, but the money multiplies itself. Then there's the one who's entrusted with a single bag of gold, $1 million. And what does he do? He digs a hole, and he goes and he finds that big Duke's mayonnaise jar. Yeah, y'all are laughing, but you all know you got a cousin out there who's doing this right now, who's in the backyard with a shovel and the jar and is stuffing cash in that thing, screwing the top back on and burying it, right? Just burying it in the ground. I can imagine this is what the one who'd received the one bag of gold was thinking. All I need to do is protect this. It's been entrusted to me. I just need to protect it. I need to hold on to it. I make sure that nobody gets a hold of it. So I'm going to dig a hole. I'm going to put it in the jar, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bury it. I'm going to bury it. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your, in your master's happiness. Then the one who had received one bag of gold came. And you can see this, can't you? Mayonnaise jar in hand. Master, I knew that you were a hard man. Investing where, harvesting where you had not sown and gathering where you not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See? Here's what belongs to you. You can just see him shaking out the mayonnaise jar, can't you? His master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money at least on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I'd have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. And whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's be honest, those are hard words, aren't they? They're hard words. So what is it that Jesus is trying to teach us? What is it that Jesus is trying to tell his disciples as they prepare for his departure? What is it, what is it that he wants us to understand about faith and life in God's kingdom? I want to share with you just a few things that I think Jesus is trying to get across to us as he shares this parable. The first is this. This parable teaches us that success is a product of our work. Success is a product of our work. It's not a guarantee, but it's a product of our work. In the book of Genesis, we see that God placed Adam and Eve in the garden to work and to take care of it. We were created to work. They weren't there just to enjoy paradise. They were there to cause the garden to be fruitful. They were there to steward 
the blessing that they had received. They were there to work the ground and make it fertile. As Christians, we have a mission. Our mission here at Pittman Park is to make disciples of Jesus Christ who transform the world. And the Lord expects us to work toward that mission in the here and in the now, to work toward that purpose here and now. Far too many Christians today simply see their salvation as a bus ticket to heaven, something that they'll deal with later on. They believe that it doesn't matter what they do while they just wait on the bus. But the parable of the talents teaches us what we're supposed to be doing while we wait on the return of our king. Friends, we are to work. We are to use our talents, our gifts, our skills, our abilities, and our blessings from God to glorify God, to serve the common good, and to further God's kingdom. Biblical success is a commitment to work diligently in the here and now, using all the blessings and talents that God has given us for the sake of God's kingdom. Success comes through our work. It's not our work that gains us salvation, but God expects us as his disciples to work and to commit to the work of the kingdom. Here's the second thing. The parable of the talents teaches us that God gives us everything that we need to do what he's called us to do. God gives us everything that we need to do that which he's called us to do. As I told you, a, a talent we're not really sure exactly how much money that is. We do know it's more money than any of these servants ever would have seen in their lives. It's like a million dollars just handed to them in a moment. It's an incredible amount of money. And there's moments, I think, when we're tempted to feel sorry for the servant who only received one talent, but in reality, he received as, as much as a million dollars from the master and buried it in his backyard. He was given more than enough to meet the master's expectations of him. He wasn't going to have to work any harder than anyone else. He was just going to have to be committed to do the work. God expects us to use our talents, our gifts, our blessings to bless others. This is what Paul is getting at in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, where he says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Did you catch that? We're not just gifted, but we're created for God's work and for God's work in the kingdom. We seldom associate this verse with our work, but we should because we were created to put our hands to the plow for the sake of God's kingdom. Here's the third thing. The parable of the talent shows us that God understands our uniqueness and our Ability. One of the most overlooked parts of this parable is the second half of verse 15 where the master gives each servant talents, each according to his own ability. The master understood that the one-talent servant was not capable of producing as much as the five-talent servant. Sometimes we want to raise our hand and, and protest and say that this master is being unfair. Yet we know, this is true from our own experience, that diversity is woven into the fabric of creation that we're not all created equal in regards to the talents that we're given, but there is equality found in the parable of the talents. In fact, it comes from the fact that it takes just as much work for the five-talent servant to produce five more as it does for the two-talent ter- two servant, two servant 
to produce two more talents. That's why the reward that is given is the same. The master measures success by degrees of effort, as should we. It's not about how much, but about how committed you and I are to seeing and doing God's will and work in the world. Here's the fourth thing, and I promise there's only five. There's not 13. Here's the fourth. The parable of the talents teaches us that we work for God and not for ourselves. See, the money that's entrusted to the servants, the gold that's given to them, it's not theirs. It's not theirs to hold on to. It's not theirs to hoard. The money that they earn, it's not even theirs to keep. The servants, they're only stewards of the master's investment. And it's the quality of their stewardship that the master seeks to measure. Friends, we should be maximizing the use of our talents, not for our own selfish purposes, but to honor God. We know that we work in a fallen world, and because of the curse of sin, we know that our work is going to be difficult. But we should feel satisfaction and joy from knowing and from doing our best with what God has given us in the place where God has put us, seeking to succeed in order to honor him, not to honor ourselves, but to bring glory and honor to his name. And here's the last thing. The parable of the talents shows that we will be held accountable for what we do with the blessings, the gifts, the talents that God has given us. This isn't works righteousness, friends. I'm not saying that you have to work for your salvation. But what I am saying is that the free gift of salvation comes with an expectation that you and I participate in God's kingdom. That we commit our lives to loving God and to loving people with the same passion, with the same sense of purpose and same sense of mission. Really what Jesus is getting at here is about whole life Stewardship, stewardship with a capital S. What the unfaithful steward in this parable misses is the opportunity that's before him. He didn't so much waste the master's money as he wasted the opportunity that the master had for him. And as a result, he's judged as wicked and lazy. We're responsible, friends, for what we do with what God has given us. We're responsible for the ways that we use the talents and gifts that God has given us. Are we using them to bless others and to further the kingdom? Are we using our gifts and talents to share the gospel with our friends and neighbors and all around the world? Or are we simply burying them? Or using them for ourselves? Or are we just mismanaging them? Y'all, I don't want us to miss the opportunity that we have as a congregation to commit. Not just individually, but together to advance God's kingdom right here in Statesboro and all around the world. So this morning, as we sing our final song, you're invited to take advantage of this moment to commit yourselves, to commit your skills, your gifts, and your generosity to God so that we as a church might commit ourselves to God and to God's work here and all around the world. What if we did that together? What if we committed together to be the kind of people who didn't just let God's blessings slip through our fingers, 
who committed to be the kind of people who would use everything that God's given us so the world might know his love and the gift of salvation that comes through his grace and the death of his son on the cross. Friends, you're invited this morning as we sing our final hymn to fill out your commitment card and to bring it and place it in the, um, in the offering plate there. You're also invited to come to the altar to commit yourself once more to God's work here at Pittman Park and around the world, to commit yourself wholly and fully to being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? God, we come before you today preparing our hearts and minds to commit, to give ourselves once more to your mission and ministry in this world. We pray, God, that we wouldn't miss out on this chance that we have to give our very best to you because you've given your very best to us. We thank you, God, that you take our limited resources and unleash unlimited possibility. We thank you, God, that you multiply our impact for your kingdom in ways that we may never see or understand. But Jesus, here and now we pray for the strength to commit ourselves fully to you. Bless us now. This we pray in the name of Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen.